three, four, five, six. Good morning, good morning, good morning.
Oh, well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Great to have you with us here today. If you're a guest with us, welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and you came on a very unique day. Um, it's, um, we are actually, this weekend, we're in the middle of our men's retreat, and so we got about 100 of our guys down at the beach at Fort Caswell this weekend. Um, I've been there with them all weekend, came home late last night so I can be with you here this morning. And so it's so good to have you with us worshiping the Lord today. And just real quick, I want to give you just an update. The weekend has just been amazing. They should be in the middle of their last worship time right now and start heading back here soon. But it has just been phenomenal, the weekend, what God has done, how he's spoken to our hearts. It's just been absolutely, it's far exceeded our hopes and expectations of what the weekend was going to be. So, so excited for those guys as they come back. And it's interesting, I told them last night, I said, so I'm heading back late, and I'll get back, and right now, i got to be honest, I'm running off pure caffeine, and that's it, all right? That is all i got going for me. But I said, it's going to be really fun for, like, that first-time guest that comes in, and it's just like Brad and 300 women. Like, what kind of, what kind of freaky church is this, man? What is happening here? It's like a cult. Don't drink anything. So, it's a weird Sunday, but we're glad that you're here hanging out with us. Um, the, the theme verse for the weekend for our men's retreat is Psalm 27, verse 4. I just want to read this to you. This is what our guys have been meditating on all weekend, and we've been diving into the life of David and letting Psalm 27, 4 kind of be the theme verse for the whole thing. It says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And what we've been pressing in on our men all weekend is think about David. All that David accomplished, all that David did, all that David went through, right? The highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, everything, right? You got Goliath, you got Bathsheba, you've got rolling a nation, you've got military prowess, right? All the things that could be, tr that's true of him, all the things that, that could in his mind be the center focus. I mean, think about it. Isn't it easy for either our successes, our highs, or our lows to be what we consider to be the center thing about us? How easy could it be for David to let his victory over Goliath be the most important thing in his life? Because that was what really drove him into prominence as a warrior? Or how easy could it be for his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah to be the center focus of his life? It's just what he thinks about constantly, of how I, how I destroyed my family, and destroyed my reputation, and sinned against God. The highs, the lows, none of that is what David has as the center focus. He says in Psalm 27, 4, this is the center focus of his life. The one thing he asks for, the one thing he wants more than anything is what? To seek and see and savor and worship God. That's the most important thing for him. All he wants is God. To see God, worship God, love God, adore God, pursue God. And so for you, the most important thing about you is not your success. The most important thing about you is not your failure. The most important thing about you is not what you do for a living. This one thing that David asks is the one thing we're encouraging you to ask. 
that God would allow you to see him and seek him and pursue him and worship him as the center focus and treasure and glory and purpose and foundation for your life. And as we do that, God now empowers us to walk through the highs and walk through the lows and experience the good and experience the bad. But he is always our focus. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me. I want to pray for us as we begin our time together. And God, this is our prayer. This is the one thing that we ask. That we would seek you, your presence in our lives. Not that you're just something that we know about or a doctrinal statement that we believe or a verse that we've read or memorized, but a person that we have experienced. We know you. We seek you. We love you. We desire you. And we see you doing phenomenal things in us. I pray, God, today as we worship you, this will be our heart, this will be our drive, this will be our desire. And we'll see you do this in us for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand, everyone. Let's worship the Lord together, seeking His face.
You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Titus chapter 2 together, all right? Titus chapter 2, we're working our way through the book of Titus. And in the providence of God, this was not the plan, but in the providence of God, we have something really neat happening this weekend. We've got our men off as we're having our men's retreat and talking about biblical manhood and what it means to be a follower of Christ as a man of God. And, and they're doing that right now. And, and then for us this weekend, we're in Titus 2 and we're working our way kind of slowly through the book of Titus. Last week we looked at a group of people that the, that the Bible simply referred to as older women and we talked about that. Today we're going to be looking at younger women. And it's very interesting that as um, we spent the weekend uh, really pouring into our men um, how to live counterculturally, what the world tells you a man should look like is not actually in Christ what a man should look like. It's interesting that on the same weekend we're going to be doing the same thing today with our ladies. So before we jump into Titus 2, I feel the need to kind of set the stage for a moment, okay? What we're about to read today might be the most culturally insensitive verses of Scripture in the entire Bible. What we're going to read today will 100% go totally opposite to everything this world tells you a woman should be and pursue. It is going to go absolutely 100 miles an hour headfirst into it. Okay? So what I want to do before we jump into the scripture is pray for me. And you, and you, and you. Because I'm going to ask the Lord that he would open up all of our hearts for both men and women. Because here's what's happening as well, just real quick. So not only is what we're going to read today going to really go hard, contrary to what this world says women should be and live for and pursue and desire. What I see happening a lot often is women have their hearts open to this and desire this, but their husband says no. Their husband says, no, I don't, I don't want you to be that or do that. I want, I want you to go do that, right? Because that, that helps me be able to have a, a better boat. So I, I want you to go do that. Um, and so we're going to pray today for ladies that God would open up your hearts to hear and receive from the word and for men that God would open up your hearts to hear and receive from the word and for me that I would not mess it up. So let's jump in together and pray, all right? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God. I, I specifically praise you for difficult words in the Bible because that forces us to really search our own hearts, forces us to really submit ourselves to you and say, God, not my will, not my desire, but yours be done. So I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, both men and women today, to hear and receive from your word, to see what your word says, and that we would be shaped and changed by it for your glory. Holy Spirit, empower these, your words today. I pray, Lord, that you would empower me, that I would speak only what you would have me to speak, and that we would hear and receive, 
And that Jesus Christ, your blood covers us and will empower us to walk in the fullness of what you have for us, for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Titus chapter 2. Let's pick it up together in verse 4. So if you've been with us, um, so Titus 4 kind of transitions from the older ladies, the, the, those who are characterized as the older ladies, to the younger. And, and the connecting tissue between those is that older women are to be teaching younger women certain things. And the reason older women in the faith need to be teaching younger women how to walk in these things is because the world is going to tell you the opposite. First century Crete is very similar to 21st century Cumberland County. Right? It's very similar. And so in the same way that the world and the culture was telling younger women not to do this, older women of the faith needed to step in and say, no, this is how you order your lives. And the same is called today. And so while this is going to be um, what we're going to see towards younger women, I want you to notice those that may be classified as older, right? Maybe your kids aren't young. Maybe they've grown up. Maybe you're an empty nester. That's great. But in order for you to obey the command of God to help teach younger women these things, you have to also believe and walk in them also, right? And so this is for all of us. Titus chapter 2, verse 4. So he's talking to these older ladies here, and he says, So train the young women... To love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. The emails this week are going to be awesome. I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing. So uh, here's what we do. We kind of just work our way Verse by verse, phrase by phrase, line by line through the scriptures. Um, it's called expositional preaching. Um, it just means the word expositional means to expose. Like all I want to do today is just say, here's what the Bible says, and then allow the Holy Spirit of God to work through his word into our hearts. All right? So let's work our way back through verses 4 and 5. What do we see happening here? First little phrase is this. Train the younger women... To love their husbands and children. So let's unpack that just for a minute. Love their husbands and children. So here's the thing that I love about studying the Bible. I learn stuff all the time. So in the New Testament, uh, it's written in Greek. All right, in the original languages, it's written in Greek. And you have an obviously an English translation in front of you. That's great. That's wonderful. Read that. I do. But one of the things that we want to do is to really dive into the original language because there's things we learn from that. So in the original Greek, there are multiple words for love, which is so brilliant. Because for us, we only have one word. we got to use it for everything, right? right? I, I love college football, and I love my grandma's peach cobbler, and I love my wife. But I don't love my wife like I love cobbler, right? Those are two different things. And in the Greek language, they have multiple words to try to help explain the kind of love we're talking about. Now, there is a Greek word for love, agape. So this is sort of like God's love, right? Self-sacrificing, giving, 
um, uh, laying your life down for someone else, that kind of love. It's, it's completely separate from emotion. It's completely separate from feeling. It is just, I am willfully laying my life down for this person out of love, agape. Here's the interesting thing. I totally expected that to be the word there, and it's not. I completely expected for God to tell these young women here that they are to learn how to agape their husbands and their children. That they would learn how to lay their lives down sacrificially, even though it's going to be hard, even though it might be difficult. You sacrifice yourself for your family, laying your life down just like Jesus laid his life down for you. I totally expected to find that, and I did not. That's not the word there. The word for love there is a word philo. It means Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. This is the Greek word, philos. It means a, a friend-type love, an endearment. It is a word meaning emotion, feeling, desire. Here's what God's word is calling women to do. Feel love towards your husband and your children. Feel love for them. Have emotion for them. Have a befriending, emotional, intimate connection with them. Don't just lay your life down because you're just sacrificing. No. Actually feel emotional, friendship, love towards them. In this culture, here's, here's, let's get even in bigger context. Let's, let's pull it back out 30,000 feet. First century, most of these marriages were arranged marriages. Many of these ladies met their husbands weeks, maybe, before they married them. Right? It wasn't like us, right? It's not like you're, you know, you're finding someone and you, you develop that love, right? You know. John and Mary sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, right? First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes John and Mary, right? right? First you fall in love, then you get married and you have babies. That's not the world these ladies lived in. They got married, had babies, and then tried to fall in love. You see how difficult that could be? It's hard. And the command being given them right now it's not just do your job as a wife. It's not just be a good soldier. It's not just lay your life down. Actually feel certain things towards your husband. Whoa. You can't command people to feel stuff. Well, your problem there is going to be God. Because he tells you to. We live in a society, again, where we tell ourselves that we have no control over how we feel. I can't help it. Right? I feel in love with him today, and I don't feel in love with him tomorrow, and I can't help that. The Bible is going to say, actually, yes, you can. Actually, you can. The command of God is that you would actually feel something, an emotional friendship connection with your husband. And it's interesting, he uses the same word towards kids. All right, so let's unpack that for a moment. 
for these ladies in the first century, having children was basically their occupation. Like, that's your job. You have one job. Go have babies. That's what you do. And again, you're married to a man you don't really know or necessarily have that emotional connection with right away. And then you're having these kids because you're just supposed to. It was very easy for them to not have an emotional connection towards their kids. To not feel a certain way towards their kids. And the command of God here for these young women is that they would be trained up by the older women to have actual emotional befriending loving feeling connections with their husband and with their kids how do you do that and how do you how do you make yourself feel something well i'll give you just one suggestion the only way that that's something that's going to come up inside of you Time with your husband doesn't necessarily do it, right? Time, you ever heard the expression, time heals all wounds? That's not true. Sometimes time causes gangrene to set in and we've got to cut your finger off, right? right? Sometimes, right, sometimes time isn't the answer. Some of you, you've been waiting for time to fix your situation. It ain't happening, Captain. Right? Time by itself doesn't fix anything. So what does? You, as a wife and as a mother, submitting your heart, your feeling, and your emotions to the Lord and saying, God, I desire this and I need you to work this in me. You've got to get out of the way and allow the Spirit of God to fill and empower you, F-I-L-L, you so that you can f-e-e-l your husband make sense in order for you to feel a certain way towards your husband you must ask the spirit of god to fill you with his empowerment i understand that and here's the great thing as well and we're gonna there are gonna be other things coming up as well this is gonna be the thing that we need to say um i know that there are some men some of them might be driving home here in just a little while, that don't make that easy. I understand. There have been many, 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 many times I have not made that easy. I understand. I, I know that he may not make it easy or simple for you to do this. But this is about you trusting and submitting and obeying and walking in the empowerment of God. This has way more to do with you and God than even you and your husband. This is about you and him. Do you trust God enough to fill you and empower you with the ability to have that kind of relationship with your husband and with your kids? Next, he keeps going. Train young women to love their husbands and children, verse 5, to be self-controlled. So that word self-control pops up a lot in this Titus chapter 2. We're going to see it all over the place. We're going to see it next week with young men. It's all over the place. The word self-control means, watch this, controlling yourself. 
Right? I know reading the Bible can be complicated, can't it? This means that you are not led or driven by emotion, personal desires, the actions of others, the opinions of others. You'll also see as you read through the book of Galatians that self-control is listed as a fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. This is and this is a byproduct of you being a follower of Christ and seeking to be filled and empowered with his spirit. Self-control. Not driven by emotion. Not driven by fear. Not driven by anger. Or resentment. Or bitterness. Or unforgiveness. Or all the things that can so easily well up inside of us. That these women are called by God to be self-controlled. Quite literally, you curb, the word self-control means to curb your own personal desires. You don't just act off what comes flying up out of you. You control yourself. Self-control. Talking with my wife Marie about this passage for this week. I uh, leaned in heavy on her advice and counsel. Um, and she said, you know, that, that word self-control, there's another word we're going to see in just a little bit kind. She said, that word self-control is so important in this context. Because she said, the one place in my life where I could very easily fall under the temptation of not being self-controlled is in my home. You control yourself pretty well at work because you like getting paid, right? You control yourself pretty well. You don't just let everybody know everything you're thinking. You control it pretty well. You know who you can talk to and who you can't. You know which manager you can really speak your mind to and the one that you are not going to open your mouth. You know, you control yourself pretty well. But when we get home, there's something about just the comfort level, the ownership of the place, this is your house, the control level tends to drop just a little or a lot. And we no longer are stopping ourselves from being driven by a certain emotion or feeling or hurt or anger or frustration. We're no longer seeking to control those. We just let it fly. Just let it rip. And I want you to see specifically here the context in which you're called to be self-controlled is in your home engaging with your family. This is the one place you're called by God to exhibit the spiritual fruit of self-control. Young women, be self-controlled. What else? Verse 5, be self-controlled and pure. So this is such a really important thing as well. Because again, 1st century Crete and 21st century United States of America actually aren't that different from one another. So Crete was really, really, really immoral. Prostitution was legal. Sexual immorality was the norm. 
A woman's ability to use her femininity to get what she wanted was considered a plus and a positive and a strength for her. Sound familiar? Right? This is the world that they're living in. And many of the young women in this church right now who have become Christians grew up on an island where they did, they, they lived as good little Cretan girls, which means they were really immoral. Many of them grew up with moms that did not know and love the Lord and did not model purity with them. And so what's being said here is this. This is so great. I love this. The Apostle Paul is talking to these sweet, young, new ladies in the faith. And he's telling them, you get to have a new identity. You get to now be known as pure. Maybe in the past that wasn't what you were known as. Maybe in the past you had a different reputation. But now, because you're new in Christ, you can be known as something different. You can be pure. And there's something really cool about this word. So the word pure comes from, uh, it kind of means holy, clean, separate from sin, right? That's pure. And, and, and it comes from a word where we would, uh, hagios, the Greek word, where we would get our word holy. And, and that's kind of the root for this for sure. So it has that understanding, that idea of, of, of holy, clean, separate from sin, that's true. But this word pure has a neat little twist to it. It doesn't just mean holy, it means, listen to this, excitingly holy. You're not just living a certain way. The point here, the command of God here is not just stop doing bad things. The command is see the better life Jesus has for you and be really excited about that. Right? You're not just pure. You're excitingly pure. You see a better life. You see the truth of Jesus Christ. You see a better reality for yourself. And you desire that and long for that and push for that. You're not just pure, you're excitingly pure. This is what we've been pushing into our men all weekend. Not just don't do bad things, but see that Jesus Christ is better and he's got a better life for you. We've been telling our men all last night, it was so great. I got to spend like an hour and a half yelling at our guys and then drove home last night. It was awesome. And we were telling our guys last night, listen, repentance doesn't just mean stop doing bad things. We all have things in our life we know are bad and we shouldn't do. Right? We all have things that we try to st- simply just seeing a bad thing and going, you know, that's bad. And if I get caught doing that, that's going to go really bad. So I'm going to try hard not to do that. Right? That's not repentance. It's not biblical repentance. Biblical repentance is a change in the thinking that causes you to, yes, turn from the sin. But more importantly, turn to Jesus as your greater treasure. The reason you turn from the sin is not because the sin is bad, but because you see Jesus is so much better. I just want him. And this is what that word pure is trying to drive into young ladies. Don't just not do bad things. Be excited about the fact that Jesus has given you a new life. So you now you get to live different. Different hopes, different dreams, different desires, different goals, different loves, different pursuits. Jesus is better, so you pursue Jesus, and you are excited about living pure now. See the difference? It's huge. Be pure. 
train young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. Gosh, we just ran out of time. Look at that. we got to go. All right, so what does this mean? So the, the, the phrase working at home literally means care for the house, right? So don't get it complicated. Don't get it twisted. It is what you think, right? Taking care of the home. Now, let's be clear. I do not believe the Bible teaches that women are not permitted to work outside the home. You don't, you, I, I don't think you can make a biblical argument for that because Proverbs 31, right? This woman whose value is far beyond precious jewels. You read Proverbs 31, she works, right? She's making garments and selling them. She's selling off real estate. I mean, she's like a mogul, right? She's, she's a real estate agent and fashionista. Right? She's got a lot going on. She's got servants that work for her. She's taking care of them. Like she's, got a, she's got a lot of irons in the fire. So I don't believe, listen to me very carefully, I very often have people come to me and tell me I said things that I did not say. So listen, I am not saying that the Bible says, as a wife and mother, you are not permitted to work outside the home. Understand. However, what the Bible does teach is that your number one and ultimate priority should be your home. And if working outside the home messes up that, you need to spend time with Jesus because your priorities are wrong. Your number one priority needs to be your family. Does that mean that you cannot work outside the home? No, not at all. But your number one focus and your number one priority in order for you to live out the priorities that God has set forth in his word is to be focused in your home. And the great thing is this. Oftentimes I love it when the secular world eventually catches up with the Bible. And that's exactly what we see happening. So the Bible said 2,000 years ago, Listen, ladies, especially if you have young kids, being focused on those kids and taking care of your home is really a big deal. Like you need to find a way to make sure that's a big priority. That's your number one. And, and secular world has caught up with that. I, I found a couple of interesting studies this week. The National Institute of Child Health and Human Development not exactly a Bible-believing right-wing organization, right? The National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, the same people that teach you it's totally okay for your boy to now be a girl, right? Those people, right? Not right-wingers. They're not a bunch of Bible-thumping fundamentalists, okay? They would hate everything I say. Here's what they determined. They studied over a 1,000 children from birth through preschool. And here's what they determined. The total number of hours a child spends without a parent, primarily their mother, from birth through preschool, 
is the number one determining factor for their behavior. How many total hours a child spends with their mother from birth through preschool is in their estimation the number one determining factor for how that child acts. It matters. Not only that, I found a study from Psychology Today. Again, not a conservative think tank. Psychology Today did a study on body image issues in female college students. All right, so they're 18 to 21-ish, 22-ish young women struggling with body image issues. Here's what they determined. Those who are not mentored by their parents are not inoculated against peer pressure and wind up turning to their peers and the media for guidance. Our big problem is kids are effectively raising each other. Psychology Today looked at young adult women and said, as we see them in ever-increasing numbers, having issues with all forms of eating disorders and body image stuff and all the things, one of the major factors they determined was they just didn't spend enough time with their parents. These kids just raised each other. And social media influencers on TikTok raised them. And that's why they do these things. Right? It's not just a phrase in the Bible. Even the secular world is starting to catch up with this. How the home is ordered matters. It actually legitimately matters. It matters for your, your personal soul because as a, as a daughter of God, saved by Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he has set up life to work in a certain way. So it's right for your soul to set your life up like that. And for your children, it matters. It actually matters. I think connecting with that, after it says working at home, the next word it uses there is kind. And again, I, I referenced earlier that Marie said the two um, words, self-control and kind, are, are the two in this list that are fruit of the Holy Spirit, as you read Galatians chapter 5. And also, those are the two things that can most easily slip in your home. Right, The one place you're probably most tempted to not be controlled and to be unkind is probably at home with your family. Again, because why? Because we, our, our guard is down. And we're at home and we're, we're safe to just say whatever we want and do whatever we want. And they're going to forgive me and then I get to say I'm sorry later and it's all going to be fine. But the Bible says, Young women, specifically as wives and mothers, be kind. And that word kind quite literally just means good, helpful, agreeable, pleasant, happy. Again, talking with Marie this week, um, 
in, in just hearing her thoughts on this as a, as a wife and as a mom and kids with vary, in varying ages. She said, my, my goal in life is to see that our home is not cluttered, chaotic, or contentious. She's married to a Baptist preacher, so she had to alliterate. She views it as her job to make sure our home is not cluttered, chaotic, or contentious. And she believes that's, that's her responsibility. It, and again, I think it's important to always circle back and remember that this comes off the heels of a command to older women to help teach younger women to do this. So with Marie and I, um, so I met Marie as we were both finishing up college, and both of us finished college very differently. I finished college going to my professors, begging that they give me a C so I can graduate. She finished college, top of her class, trying to decide if she was going to go to law school or to get a PhD and be a college professor. Right? We were, we were going two separate paths. So this is her life, right? She's graduating top of her class. She's, you know, most likely to succeed in president of the student body and all these awards and accolades and all these things. And she meets me, and I'm like, hey, so you want to get married and stay home and have a lot of kids? And you know what she said? No. No. Actually, I, I don't want to do that at all. I think that's a horrible idea. And, and so for Marie, she began this process of really just seeking God, just seeking the Lord, what his call and his plan was for her. And it was a process. It was a process of stirring in her heart and working in her heart and, and, and what is God calling me to do and what does it look like and how that's looked throughout the years for us has been different. It hasn't always been the same. There have been times where she's worked outside the home, times where she hasn't worked outside the home, times when she homeschooled the kids, and times when she didn't homeschool the kids, right? It's, it's not looked the same. So again, the point isn't that there's a cookie-cutter model that if you're a woman and you love Jesus, you need to stay home and in the kitchen and have 14 kids and homeschool them all, and they're right. Maybe you can sell those essential oils, right? Maybe you can do that. But other than that, nothing. Okay, that's not, that's not in the Bible. I'm not saying that, all right? I'm not saying that. It's going to look different. I'm not saying it's a cookie cutter. But what is true is this. What I will stand firm on is this. And what I would love to have a conversation with you, if you feel the need to do that, is this. There's no doubt whatsoever. God has laid out a very clear biblical principle. That if you're a wife and a mother, your first call is to your home. That might look different as to how that plays out. Again, my wife Marie, she grew up with a single mom. Dad was a total bum and skipped out on the family when she was a baby. Uh, and so if her mom didn't work, they didn't, you know, eat. Right? Situations are unique. Not everything fits the same. But the point is, as saved by Jesus, filled with the Spirit, submitted to the Word, daughter of God, 
There's a call in your life. There's a certain priority that takes place in your family. And and then just to make sure we understand all the points, verse 5 again, the call is to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to your own husband. The word submissive means, it's, again, it's interesting, this is really cool, kind of, a, I try to save the Greek stuff until uh, I can really think it matters, and I think it matters here. So the Greek word here for submit, um, it's in what's called the middle voice. What that means is, this is, a com- this is, you're called by God to place yourself into a situation. So here's literally the command here in Titus 2.5. Wives are called by God to voluntarily place themselves under the authority and leadership of their husbands. The command here is not for husbands to place a wife under submission. The command here is not for a husband to be like, I run this house. If, if, if ever a man has to remind his wife that he's in charge, he has failed to be in charge, correct? Like that is, you have, you have lost the thread, my friend. The command here is on the wife to voluntarily place themselves under the authority and submission of their husband. And, and, and again, I think it's important in Ephesians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul has this idea again of wives submit to the husbands. In, in Ephesians 5.22, the Apostle Paul says, wives submit yourselves to, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That phrase is really significant. Submit to your husband as to the Lord. Here's the big idea behind that. The big driving push for you isn't your husband. The point isn't so much your relationship to your husband. The point is your relationship to God. And if you trust God and submit to God, then in submission to God, you place yourself under submission to your husband. And I know all the, all the questions, so real quick, does this mean that the Bible uh, expects a woman to stay in an abusive relationship? No. Negative. Not true. Not happening. Not in the Bible. Not what that means. Not what I said. No. No. At all. If there is something that is illegal taking place, call the police. If you feel like you can't, tell me. I will do that. No. That's not at all what this is saying. What this is saying is, Many women, again, this flies hard and fast into the face of everything our culture is trying to tell you. And what the Bible is telling you is this. If you trust and love and submit to God, then you show that submission to God by submitting to your husband. Voluntarily placing yourself under his authority and leadership. Submit to your husband. And and look why. This is amazing how it ends. Submits themselves to their own husbands. Look at this last part of verse 5. That the word of God may not be reviled. Ladies, the way you live affects whether or not the world mocks God or listens to God. 
Because the world looks in and says, well, if the Christians aren't obeying the Bible, why should I care anything about it? If the Christians aren't orienting their life in a radically different way than the rest of us, what does it matter? If their family looks just like my family, what is being a Christian accomplished for you? Right? The point is, we live our lives in such a way on this earth where we model to the world, Jesus saves me and makes me different. We aren't like them. We are different. We have been made new. And we're to live in that and walk in that. So here's what I'd like to do. I'm going I'm to ask you to bow your heads for me. So I can slip out before you throw things. And I just want to take a minute. And I want to, I want to pray for you. And I want to give you a minute to pray. And, and there are two big things I want to do. I want to ask you a question. And I want to tell you a truth. Okay, those are the two things I want to do right now. I want to ask you a question. And I want to tell you the truth. Alright? So first is this, the question. Who's on the phone? question that I have is this. So ladies, just right now, settle your hearts before the Lord and ask this question of yourself. Truthfully, who gets to determine how your life is set up? You or God? Who gets to make that call? Who gets to determine how your life is set up? What the Bible says or what our society says. So for you, I want you to ask yourself the question. Who truly, if you're a child of God, you believe by faith in Christ, you're a daughter of God, I want you to ask the question. Who makes that decision? And then second, the truth. If the answer to your question is God and his word, and, I've, and I have all the confidence in the world that that's the answer for the vast majority, if not every single woman in this room, I have no doubt about that. But if the answer to the question is God and his word, here's the truth that I want to lay out for you. How you live in that. It's not going to be by your best efforts and your self-will and your determination. How you're going to live in that is by you seeing who you are in Christ, how Jesus has made you new, how glorious the gospel is, how great and amazing God is. And as you see him for who he is, exactly what I was telling you that we're teaching our men this weekend. See how awesome and glorious and amazing God is. And as you see how great he is, you will turn from everything this world has for you and walk towards him because you see how great he is. Titus 2.14 
since Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus died, was buried, rose again so that you can be forgiven, redeemed, and purified so that you can be filled and empowered by the Spirit of God to be zealous and pursue the good works that God has for you. And as you live out those good works, the world sees those and glorifies your Father in heaven. So I want to encourage you, let's just take some time this morning. You sit before the Lord, pray, plead, seek Him. Seek Him that He would fill you and empower you to walk in all the fullness that He has for you. God, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you, by your grace, speak very clearly and directly and powerfully to our hearts. I ask you, Lord God, that you would, by your grace, minister to us as we hear your word. And while some it excites and some it confuses and some it maybe even angers, I ask you, God, that we would allow your spirit to minister to us. We will trust you. We will see all the glorious and amazing truths you have for us through life in you. Thank you, God. Do this work in us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, real quick before you go, uh, I want to introduce some people to you. We had um, a whole crew of people join last week. We've got some more this week. I want to introduce to you, um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the baggage and the tallies. Guys, come on up, everybody. Jessica and Grant, Angela and Jeff, come on down. So, okay, we got the tallies still. We're going to get those in a minute. So, uh, we'll, we'll get uh, uh, Angela and Jeff here in just a little bit. Maybe we can grab them the next 
uh, uh, service. But we have Jessica and Grant. How long have you guys been? Six years. I thought so. Been around for a long time. And, and, and so, so excited for them to come and officially be a part of us here at Southview as the family. They've raised their kids here and been a part of the youth ministry and all the things. And so, so great to have them come now and be a part of the church family here. And so, if you're excited about the Baggots and having them being a part of our church family here uh, and a part of us officially, if you just let them know by saying amen, amen, we're excited about that. That's so good. Thank you, guys. You guys go ahead and have a seat. I'm not going to make you stand up here. Give them a big hand. Thank you, guys, so very, very, very much. And, and we got, um, again, uh, Two more families that are going to be joining here in our second service. And so, so excited for that. So excited that the Lord is doing that and bringing families here to be a part of us. It's just such an amazing gift. So thank you for that. Uh, as we close up our time here, I've got a handful of announcements for you. I just want to throw your way. First off, if you're a guest, welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is to... Um, Text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Text the word CONNECT there so we can get connected with you, know who you are and how to minister to you. Uh, we would love to do that. But for everyone, we've got our three big announcements, all right? Three big things going on we want everyone to know about. First is this. We have so many opportunities for you to volunteer. So many great chances for you to step in and serve and kids ministry and youth ministry and the welcome team and worship team and all the opportunities and so if you would like to be a part of something you can text the word volunteer to our number you're going to get a link click on the link and then you're going to be then receive a list of opportunities and you just click on the one that you'd like more information about and we'll be in touch with you and talk with you through that and encourage you there so we'd love to have you volunteer text volunteer to our number We'll be in touch with you and help you find the perfect place for you that lines up exactly the way that God has created and wired you. We'd love to help you do that. Second, Operation Christmas Child. It is coming up on Christmas time, all right? And for all you people that are like, no, it's not Thanksgiving yet. No, all right? I rebuke it in Jesus' name. We've been having a tree up since Labor Day. It's awesome. I'm joking. I'm joking. We, 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 we are, we waited at least till October 1st. So, Operation Christmas Child, it's our shoeboxes. We want you to be a part of this. So if you're, if you're not familiar with it, that's where we stuff shoeboxes, work with Samaritan's Purse. They're then sent off to third world nations uh, to give kids a Christmas and then present the gospel to them. We'd love to help you be, help us be a part of that. You can do that in two ways. Um, so as you leave, there are boxes. You can grab some, fill them in. They've upped their charges. All right, so you got to fill the box, and then you have to put a check for $10 in there for uh, that to then be processed properly. Uh, so you can do two things. You can fill that in and put the $10 check in there and drop it off, and we'll take care of that. Or if you would just like to help donate money to go in the shoeboxes, right? You, you can give some money to help offset some of that $10 cost for people that may not be able to do that. They want to fill the box, but they can't put the $10 in. You can help us do that. So you can give online uh, for Operation Christmas Child to help us do that. 
Um, also, you can go with us to the Processing Center in Charlotte. It's going to be on November 21st. If you'd like to sign up to go on that, you can text the word shoebox to our number. Sign up for that to be a part of that trip, to go be a part of that. And then last is this. Last announcement for you. We have our yearly business meeting, November 13th. Uh, that's where we um, approve the budget for 2023 and leaders for 2023 and, and let you know some of the things we're going to be doing in the upcoming year. So that's going to be November 13th at 4 o'clock. Just a heads up on that. Put that on your calendar and be ready for that. We'll give you more information about what we're voting on next week. We'll just go ahead and put that on the calendar. It's a part of that. And then for everything else, all the other announcements, download our church app, iTunes, Google Play, download the app. You can give online or on in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. But we're so glad to have you here. Let me pray for us, and I'll let you go. God, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, for how you're speaking. Um, I pray, God, that you would just allow your word to, to be planted deep into our hearts and bear much fruit for your glory. I pray, God, for our men that are on the way home, God, that they would um, have safe travels, obviously. And, and, God, what you planted in their hearts this weekend will grow to bear much fruit. Um, and, God, I, I thank you for new members. I thank you, God, for the Baggots, for the Tallies. I thank you, God, uh, for the Stricklands uh, here in just a moment in our 11 o'clock. I thank you, God, for these families that are joining. And I pray, God, that you would allow them to, to really bear a lot of fruit for your glory here. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I love you so much. Have a great week.